Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're talking about the Psalms. If you have your Bibles, which a lot of you do, if not, find one sometime. Psalms 46 is the Psalm that we're on. We're in a series talking about the Psalms because the Psalms bring out a passion for God. The Psalms are written in times of need, in times of mountains and valleys, in times where people's lives were in good and bad. And they're written as songs that can be sung or prayers that can be sung. These Psalms are written by real people, most of them by King David. And the Psalms represent a passion for God, a person that cries out for God. So the spirit of the Psalms is what I'm trying to get into the reader of the Psalms as I preach on the psalm. Psalms 46 is a famous psalm, and we're going to look at the background. First of all, the background. Second Chronicles chapter 20 will give you the background of Psalms 46. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, you have one of the kings called Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is in a serious situation. The situation for Jehoshaphat is that he has armies and enemies that are coming upon him. He has the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites. He has all these different armies that are coming against him, and they outnumber him in such a way they don't have a chance to do anything about this. Jehoshaphat, being a mighty man of prayer at that point in his rule, called for prayer and fasting. He had the whole kingdom on their knees. Pray and fast and call out to the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat, it's recorded, he prays himself a prayer that brings his heart before God about the dilemma that they're in. He says, you know, God, these people are coming to take the inheritance that you gave us. You gave us the land. You're the one that led us through the great wilderness and gave us this inheritance. This is the heritage that you had for Moses and now for us. And when we came out of Egypt, you know, the Edomites were those you told us not even to trudge through their land. You told us not even to go through the boundary of their land. You said we could not touch them when we came out of Egypt, which we did not do. And now they have got other people with them, and they're coming against us, which is very unfair and ungrateful of this nation, along with the Ammonites and the Moabites and the other ites that are with them, to come against us. And he starts praying this prayer. This is not fair. This is not right for them to do. And actually, they're coming to take your inheritance that you have given us. You're the one that placed us here. You're the one who told us to stay here. And now these people are coming against us. So as he's doing his prayer, one of his young prophets steps forward. And the prophet says, I have a prophecy for the nation. I have a word of the Lord for you. Joseph says, come forward. What's your word? He said, this is the word of the Lord. The battle is not yours, but the Lord. Say that with me. The battle is not yours, but the Lord. Say it again. The battle is not yours, but the Lord. He said, you will go out against the enemy, but you will not fight against the enemy. For I will go before you, and I will set ambushments against the enemy, and I will actually be your strong hand, and I will encounter the enemy for you, and I will conquer them. You will not have to do anything, because the battle is not yours, but the Lord. Come on, say it. The battle is not yours, but the Lord. So Jehoshaphat gathers his people together and said, this is the plan. The battle's not ours. It belongs to God. We have no way to fight in this battle. 
If God does not fight, we will most definitely lose. So we are going to allow God to do exactly what he said. How will we do this? This is what God has told us to do. He said through the prophet that we were to take all of the singers and send them out in front of us. And they were just to sing and praise God in front of the armies as they go out to face this multitude of enemy. How many of you would have liked to have been one of the singers? As you say goodbye to your wife that morning, honey, we're going out, no weapons, no armies in front of us. We're the first ones to face what's going to happen. Well, what are you going to do? Well, we're, we're going to sing. What? Yeah, we're, we're going to sing. And then what? God's going to kill. You sing, God kills. Great formula. You sing and God conquers. You have a focus and then God begins to move into the situation. You know, the fact of the matter is this. As we move to Psalms 46, most of us face circumstances we can't control. Many of us face physical, emotional, domestic, financial, business, parenting, relationships, marriage, on and on I could talk about, as you would well know. We have a lot of circumstances we're not in control of. We don't exactly know what to do. And so in comes this psalm where God comes down and says, okay, I'm going to teach you how to handle the circumstances where you know that if you fight yourself, if you take on the battle yourself, you will lose. You'll be drained of your strength. You will not have a right attitude. You will be very discouraged with the outcome. You will blame other people for it because you won't be able to win the battle. You are not to fight this battle this way. It's not your battle. I will fight for you. But I need to position you in a certain way so that you would allow me to fight this battle. Psalms 46 is a psalm. Take these down. Here are the titles of the psalm. It's a psalm of refuge. It's called the psalm of refuge. If you write in your Bible, you might want to title these right next to Psalm 46, the psalm of refuge. It's called the psalm of present help. It's also called the psalm of the mighty fortress because God is like our refuge. God is our present help. God is our mighty fortress. It's also called the psalm of triumphant faith and it's called the psalm of confidence. And so all of us need every one of these to happen in our life. We need a refuge. We need some help. We need God to be a fortress. We need God to move in and bring us to a place where our faith is triumphant. All of us need things to happen in our life where we would move from doubt and unbelief over to confidence that we might actually stand on the ground of faith. We might actually stand on the ground of security and stability and believe that God can do what he says he can do. What happens? The enemy comes in like a flood. Things begin to move. The enemy comes and overwhelms us. The very first thing that happens to us is that our spirit receives the wrong deposits. We begin to open up to the wrong things that cause us to think wrong, feel wrong, and act wrong. Those wrong things would be fear. Those wrong things would be worry, anxiety. Those wrong things that our spirit opens up to will move us to the place where we actually begin to think that we have to fight for ourselves. This is our battle. 
We have to do everything we have to do because if not, this thing's going to go south. It's going to go the wrong direction. Therefore, I've got to really take on all these responsibilities and I've got to make this happen. And I've got to make sure I don't make any bad decisions, do nothing wrong. And I'm going to make sure, well, there's place for wisdom in every part of life. But there's also a time in life where you realize even though you don't have the capacity to see all the angles of what you're doing, you have to let God move in and do something in the circumstance where it becomes his battle and not just your strength and your wisdom and your perseverance. And what am I going to do with it? God says, would you please let me in to the battle? Martin Luther wrote a hymn called Mighty Fortress, written in 1529, translated into 183 languages. It's been sung at the inauguration of presidents and the inauguration of kings and queens. It was also the battle hymn of the Reformation where at that time during the Reformation where Martin Luther wrote this hymn, he was in isolation and solitude, being hidden by a friend so they would not take his life. Martin Luther represented in the Reformation as a reformer. He was bringing back to the people the Bible in their own language. He was beginning to preach to the people, you don't have to go through all these rituals to get your sins forgiven, only by the cross of Christ, only by the blood of Jesus. All you need to do is have faith in Jesus, and your life will be changed. The church was not set up for that message. They had everything financially wrapped around it, building wrapped around it. All of their ecclesiastic authority was wrapped around this whole, procedure of getting people into a place where they would treat their sins a certain way. There was a lot of money involved, a lot of prestige involved, and it was wrong and unbiblical. And Martin Luther came along and said, this is not right. And he stood against it. And with that, his life was threatened. And he's now called the reformer, the reformation, the man who started the battle cry that turned the church back to adding faith back on the cross and Christ. And then on to Swingley with water baptism and the Wesleys with holiness and church history started taking place. But this man right here with this psalm begins the reformation. A mighty fortress is our God. He sung this psalm when they faced their court charges. He brought his people in at the Diet of Worms where they were going to pronounce him as a disloyal leader in the religious community. They came in and sung this hymn at that time. The hymn, the verse, first verse, reads like this. Mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. He, his craft and power are great. And men with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Listen to another verse, which I didn't put up. I would have sung this hymn if we could have really sung it right, but it's actually a very difficult hymn to sing. The third verse is the one that Martin Luther goes back to almost every time in his own singing. Listen to the third verse. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word should fail him. That word, 
Above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abides still. His kingdom is forever. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout and a clap. Get into the spirit of the Reformation yourself. He's a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. He is our helper. He is your God. No matter where you stand in life right now, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter how many devils are trying to infiltrate your life or your atmosphere or your mind or your spirit or your relationship, no matter what darkness has planned for you, what strategies they have laid out, all the different plans they have to try to destroy your faith or your virtue or your future or your destiny, let it be known that our God is a mighty fortress and our God is a refuge and our Our God is a bulwark and our God will take our enemy and trump him down for the battle is not mine. It belongs to God. Come on. The battle is the Lord's. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Psalm of triumphant faith prayer. Pray the prayer with me right now. Would you? Lord, I set my eyes upon you when everything is being shaken, when earth itself seems unstable, kingdoms tremble, nations are in confusion, and people under anxiety. But you, O God, are my refuge, a shelter in the storm, my strength, my ground of hope, my very present help in a time of need. I rest in you and say to my soul, Be still in God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I rest in my soul. Be still in God. Our God is our refuge and our strength. Our God is our refuge, a secure place to run in time of trouble, a place to resist attacks, a place to be encouraged. God is your shelter, your refuge, a place to run. Now, remember this. Everyone in trouble runs somewhere. Everyone in trouble runs somewhere. Some people run inward and just hide. Some people run to drugs and alcohol to somehow try to submerge their emotions into an unrealistic world. Some people run to the wrong person for counsel and help. Some people run to another God that's not a God at all, the God of this world, or materialism, or, 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 or. When they're trouble, run to God. He is your refuge. He will give you a place where the attacker cannot get to you. That place is not a monastery. That place is not a building. That place is a relationship in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit in your inner man. When you're at rest in your inner man and your inner heart and your spirit is secure and your belief system is stable, you will not be shaken. You will not go the way of all flesh. You will stand strong because you have a refuge inside of you. When you have that kind of a refuge, you have a strength. To have strength means his unfailing source of strength holds you up even when you're beat down. God's strength is there to begin to hold your hands up, hold your spirit up. He begins to lift your life up 
The Bible has a phrase that's used throughout the scriptures. And it says, let everyone with their hands that are hanging down be lifted up. The hands hanging down in scripture denoted the inner life of the person is being discouraged. Because when your hands are hanging down, you're not grasping anything. You're not reaching for anything. You're not working on anything. You have let go of everything. You are in a dismal state of anxiety and pain in your inner man to the point that you're paralyzed and you just don't care. You just say, what? Ever happens, happens. It doesn't matter to me. I can't change it. I can't work with it. I can't get through it. There's nothing I can do to think about it. I'm just going to let my hands hang down and just kind of go through life. I'm telling you right now, you are not a person to let your hands hang down, let your spirit droop, and let everything about life beat you down. God wants you to lift your hands up and to be strong in the Lord. Your life is to be something you reach out and grab a hold on. With the Lord, you have purpose, you have destiny, and God will lift you up. A refuge and a strength. And it says, he's my very present help in a time of trouble. God supplies for us all that is needed to triumph in all of our trouble. Literally, God fills every minute of every minute of our trouble with his presence. Every minute God fills himself into that time zone with his helping presence. There's no minute that you're left alone. There's no time where God evaporates. There's no time when God moves out of the situation, says you sort it out. God is in every minute of your trouble and he will supply what is needed in that trouble, in that time, in that circumstance that you might get through that circumstance by the strength and the refuge of God in you and around you. Jehovah, that name that's used in scripture, it simply means in the Hebrew, I will be all that is necessary when the need arises. I will be all that is necessary when the need arises. I will be all that is necessary when the need arrives. Some of us have anxiety about the need that's coming, but God provides the need when it's there, not when it's coming. He doesn't do it beforehand. He waits until the need is there. And then God steps into that moment and he says, I will be your Jehovah Jireh, your Jehovah Nissi, your Jehovah Rapha. I will be all that I need to be for your healing, for your victory, for your transformation, for your peace. I will be your God. I want you to allow God to invade the minutes of your life with a new invasion of faith that says, I will be there. I will be all that you need. I will never let you down. Don't entertain anything with fear. Don't let fear torment you. I am your God and I am your refuge. Can I hear an amen? Amen. When you move through trouble, trouble simply means a narrow place. This is always the will of the enemy is to narrow your life, narrow your thinking, narrow your vision, push you in until you have no room to move. And you start interpreting your no room to move as destiny. This is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. It's never meant to be that way. God has given you horizons and boundary lines that are set way out there. He's not trying to press you in and narrow your life and narrow your vision and narrow your faith. But trouble can do that. We keep shrinking back by our confession and by the spirit of fear. Remember, fear, it says in the New Testament, wherever there is fear, there's torment. That's what John says. 
Where there's a spirit of fear, there's torment. Fear cannot work unless there's unbelief, demonic activity. Fear calls in all the wrong things. Fear calls in unnatural worry. Fear calls in unnatural vain imaginations. Fear begins to open up to a kind of thinking that slam dunks your life even before you've been slam dunked, before anything ever happened, before things actually have fallen apart, you're falling apart. Before you actually go through the crisis, you're going through the crisis in your attitude and spirit because fear begins to paralyze you. Faith lifts you up, begins to move you out so that you can handle the trouble that you're in. When you are in trouble, here are five little steps you take every time. Pray, know where to run, trust, don't face trouble alone, and believe that you will get through it. All of these points are from the Psalms. Whenever anybody faced trouble, and you just go through the Psalms yourself, start at Psalms 1, and every time you find the word trouble, circle the word trouble in your Bible. You'll find it throughout the Psalms. Every time someone found themselves in trouble, they turned to the Lord. They ran to the Lord. They cried out to God. They cried in the time of trouble. They asked the Lord to visit them in their trouble. They asked the Lord to deliver them in their trouble. They asked the Lord to give them wisdom in their trouble. When you're in trouble, turn to God. Don't turn inward. Don't turn to other people first. Just cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. That is a good prayer. That's a good prayer. God, I can't handle this anymore. I am over the line. I am pushed beyond. This has happened and that has happened. If one more thing's happened, I swear I'm going to go hang myself somewhere, jump off a cliff or do something weird. I can't handle anymore. And sure enough, something else will happen. You still don't hang yourself. You still don't jump off a cliff. But in your spirit... You are so slam dunked into that spirit of discouragement. You're actually expecting everything bad to happen. You're now calling bad things into your life. You're now shaping yourself around it. I'm telling you right now, fear is a lie. God does not want you to think that way, feel that way, or be that way. God wants you to be delivered. Run to him in a time of trouble and just simply say, I can't take it anymore. And God says, well, I can. Come on. Lord, I can't fight anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I am spiritually out. God says, it's okay. For when you are weak, then you can be strong. Because when you can't do it, I move in and my strength begins to do it. And then you see the hand of God in your situation. Let go. Let go. When that happens, you work those five little things out. Believe this scripture. Believe with me. Proverbs 11, 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble. Okay. Proverbs 11, 8. Meditate on it. Proverbs 12, 13. But the righteous will come through their trouble. Meditate on it. Proverbs 12, 13. Psalms 41, verse 1. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. All right, I'm believing. God, you will deliver. You will make a way where there is no way. The battle is yours. It's not mine. 
When that happens, three confessions. Put all three up on the screen. These are our three confessions from the end of the psalm. And these are actually taken from some very famous verses in Psalms 46. The Lord of hosts is with us, verse 7. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. That's a new mindset now. Who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. That is, God can handle all of your challenges and all of your oppositions, all of your adversaries. Verse 10, famous verse. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still. And know that I am God. But I want to just stop. But you know, I need... Be still. The more anxious you are, the more you try to get in and get your hands into it. And the more the enemy will fan that so that you actually make mistakes, you make bad decisions, you, you live something you don't have to live, you do things that you don't have to do, you stress things you don't have to stress. Be still. And know that I am God. Get your hands off the steering wheel. When I was a Jesus freak, Back when the Maranatha bands were huge, they used to sing a song about, I've been driving in the front seat, but now I'm in the back seat. Love song used to sing it. I've been driving in the front seat. Now I'm living in the back seat. And I used to play the guitar. I know you don't believe that, but they never did let me sing much. But the song says it all. When I'm in the front seat, I think I'm in control of it all. But then you find Jesus. Jesus says, hey, jump in the back. Oh, no way. Shotgun maybe, but not the back seat. I want to say to you in Jesus' name, get out of the front seat and get in the back seat. Get your hands off the steering wheel. Get your heart out of the control position and be still and let God be God. When Jesus was in the storm with the disciples, the waves and the winds, and they said, we're going to die. Jesus stepped up and he said to the storm, be still, calm now. Smooth sea. And all the disciples said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We should take him fishing with us more often. Wow. I want to say to you, look at me in the eye. Just look me right in the eye. Hear this word. Be still. Don't be moved. See the works of God. Now hear me. Let me just say this to you as a pastor, as, as a person, that this is what I do. This is my part in your life. I don't do your books. I don't help you, you know, clean your car. I don't tell you where to invest your money. What I do is remind you what God can do in your life. This one time a week, my job is to remind you, inspire you, and get you to handle some of these thoughts that says, hey, don't be moved. Be still. See the works of God. And storm, be calm. 
the storm in your life, I want to say, be still. Let the waves, let the winds, it might not be out there, but in you, there should be no wind and waves, no storm. Nah, it's a time to be still. Let God fight your battle. Let God enter into your situation. Lift up your spirit and say, you know what? I am for you. I am with you. I am your God. Don't limit me now. I have not let you down and I won't let you down. Come on, believe in me. That's what I'm saying to you.